today, what we want to realize is sometimes the attitude that we have about work sneaks up on us like that stunned fly. We think it's done. We think we've dealt with it. But then we, this, this idea of works starts creeping back into our lives. Like somehow we're going to make ourselves more holy by the things that we do. And, and, and we do it in an, in, as an effort to become more righteous. And if that's our attitude, if I'm doing this to be more righteous, that's a waste of time. If I'm doing it in response to the love of Jesus Christ, that's good. And we've got to deal with that attitude in us. Because that attitude in us about works, righteousness, about the things we do making us better, and, 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 and we're, there's a, somehow a tear of holiness we, we often build in our minds, that's got to be dealt with because, folks, it's a sign of pride. It's just pride. You can have spiritual pride just like you can have fleshly pride, but it's all pride. And it's like that fly. You think it's done, you think it's dealt with, but it comes back. It comes back buzzing around our head. And as Paul wrote to us in the book of Galatians, that's his focus for us, is an understanding of grace, understanding grace, what grace was, what grace accomplishes in our life, and then our response to that. Our response to that, if it's not a response and the things I do is not for my, my ability to, to have people pat me on the back or people to think I'm holy, it's got to be a response of the love that Jesus Christ has given me and I'm just loving him back. That's the only purpose behind it. If that's not the reason why we do the things we do, we're wasting our time. And it's a symbol in our life of pride. There's pride issues in our life. And it comes sneaking up on us all. You know, don't smoke, don't drink, don't, don't do all that stuff. You know, all the don'ts of every church. And I'm not saying those aren't good don'ts. I'm just saying that has nothing to do with our righteous standing with God. Our righteous standing with God is done. Finished. You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to take a look at today. So if you've got your Bibles, open up to Galatians we're going to be in chapter 2, uh, hopefully finish off the second half of chapter 2 as we continue the, the concept. You remember last week, grace was on trial. We saw uh, what took place in Acts chapter 15 as uh, Paul and Barnabas took Titus, remember, and they brought him to Jerusalem because there were these people who said, yeah, what Paul's teaching is okay and this grace thing, that's a good start. Listen, guys, grace is a good start, finish, way to live your life. It's all in one thing. But they wanted to add something. Now, in their case, what they wanted to add was to fulfill the law. In other words, to go back to the, the, the Jewish law, to keep the Torah, to, to acknowledge the, the feast, to, to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. All those things... They said, now, this is a good place to start, but if you really want to be holy, you got to do this. Now, we may not add that in our lives, folks. We may not try to put ourselves back under the law, but we add things to grace. We say, yeah, man is is saved by grace, but then... He's got to be baptized. Man's saved by grace, but then he's, he's got to go through catechism. Man's saved by grace, but then he's got to take these classes or do this thing or, or serve this many hours or he's got to tithe or he's got to do whatever. And none of that has anything to do with it. 
And so he took Titus to Jerusalem to make sure. Paul said, hey, I'm going to meet with the other disciples. So he goes to the other disciples and he says, listen, guys, here's what I'm teaching. This is what the Lord laid on my heart. Here's a Gentile, doesn't keep the law, hasn't added anything, lives his life by faith. In Christ Jesus, the grace of God is touched him. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He can do all the things we can do. You look at him and tell me what we need to add. And the other disciples said, Paul, you are right on, man. This is exactly what we're teaching. Even James. This is exactly what we're teaching. Oftentimes when people get wrapped up in this concept of works, they want to go to the book of James. Because in the book of James chapter 2, it says, Faith without works is dead. Therefore, you have to do something. But listen, you got to go back to the beginning. Acts 15. James, Peter, Paul, all together, all agree. Salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, no works, period. And we talked about that last week. What is the works? Works are the fruit the fruit, the response of what God has already accomplished in my life. It's not to earn anything. What, what we think sometimes needs to be earned is finished. It's done. It's accomplished. And so the council of Jerusalem looked at Titus. They said, you're absolutely right. Nothing needs to be added to this. And after that council, Peter, he's so stoked about what's going on with Paul that he goes with Paul back to Antioch. Antioch is where all the missionary journeys first started. And while he's there, part two takes place. Let's take a look. Chapter three, or I'm sorry, chapter three. Chapter two, verse 11. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. Oh, we have a problem. It would appear that the Pope is in trouble. And somebody's giving them what for. Only nowhere in the scripture does it talk anything about the Pope. What it talks about is people that God has called and sent out in ministry. So we have this tradition that has has gone through the church that talks of Peter being the first Pope. In reality, what we see is Peter being a leader in the church, but not the leader. See Paul being a leader in the church, but not the leader. We see James being a leader in the church, but not the leader. That God was working through a variety of people throughout the the world at that time, reaching out. And Peter went to Antioch, and and he's going to get busted by Paul. He's going to get busted for something that he's done. Let's look. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. So here's what we know about Peter. Guys, remember, Peter, uh, Acts chapter 10, on top of the roof, at Simon the Tanner's house, has a dream. Remember, the sheet comes down full of all kind of unclean animals. And the Lord says, Peter, arise, kill and eat. And Peter says, not so, Lord. Again, those two phrases don't go together, right? If God says, our answer should be, okay, yes, Lord. But they say, not so, Lord. No, I've never eaten anything unclean. And then it happened again and again and again. Three times the sheet passes down. Finally, Peter starts to get it. And the Lord says to Peter, there's someone coming to your house. Was a Gentile. Go with him. He had never stayed in a Gentile's house. He had never eaten Gentile food. Why? Because it's unclean. And that will make me unholy. And so we see Peter, when he comes to Antioch, He's still kind of dealing with that. You see, he swatted that fly. He went to Cornelius. Cornelius got saved. 
Peter's the first one who brought the gospel to the Gentiles. He lived in their house. He ate their food. He got called on the carpet, came back. Grace went on trial for the first time with Peter. And Peter showed him what God had done and everyone agreed. This is absolutely right. But the fly was only stunned. And while Peter is over there in Antioch, before these guys from Jerusalem had come, he was hanging out with the Gentiles and everything was cool. And God's moving and the Spirit is happening. But then these guys from Jerusalem show up. And these are guys who are a little bit more legalistic about who you hang out with, who you talk to, who you sit with. Because in the Middle Eastern culture, to eat with someone was to be one with them. And now when these guys come, look what happens. Peter, it says, But when when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was also carried away by their hypocrisy. So Peter withdrew himself. Now, by doing that, you've got to understand the Middle Eastern mindset. By refusing to eat with the Gentiles and only eating with the Jews that came, they were saying by their actions, we are not unified with you. You remember John chapter 17? Jesus prayed a high priestly prayer. You remember the only focus of that prayer? That the church would be unified. That they would be one even as He and the Father are one. That we would be united. God spoke in the Old Testament that He was going to bring a light to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles were going to get saved and enjoy the same relationship with God. And that was all took place on the day of Pentecost. We see the spirit of the church going out, the church coming, being born, reaching out to Gentile and Jew alike. But now in Antioch, there's a little division starting over a meal. Because I won't sit with them. I'm withdrawing away from them. And, I, and I'm, I'm intimating by my action that we're not one. That they're not okay. But just a few days earlier we were okay, right? So Paul, Paul says, here's one thing that occurs, folks, when legalism comes in. Because of our pride, it makes us feel good, so we'll do it too. If somebody comes to you and says, you know, you're a better Christian if you do whatever. That tickles our ears, right? Oh, I can do something to make myself better. I can fix myself. I can make myself more holy. So we like to hear that, don't we? We like to try to fix things, especially guys. And there are times when we should just stop and realize we can't fix it. I fixed the toilet once was a bad idea. Joe had flushed a fire engine down the toilet. Fire engines don't fit. But it fit far enough that you couldn't see there was a fire engine in it. And I can't figure out what is wrong with this toilet. But I'm not going to pay a plumber. Sorry, Jason. I'm not going to pay a plumber to fix the toilet. I can do this. Yeah, no, I can't. Took the toilet off. Carried it out into the front yard. Why not the backyard? I don't know. <clears throat> Tipped it upside down. Put a hose in it. Running a hose through it. And out comes the fire engine. Ah, see, I knew I could fix it. Turn the toilet back over. Walk it back in the house. And 
hook it up, and the tank's leaking. The tank's leaking? I don't need a plumber for the tank's leaking. I can fix the tank's leaking. I get underneath the tank, and all them bolts are rusted. And I break the bolts. But I don't need a plumber for broke bolts. I just need Home Depot. And I'll go get broke bolts. So I go get broke bolts, new seals for the tank, come back to hook the tank up, pick up the tank, walk over to where the toilet is to put it all back on, and I dropped it. I don't need a plumber for a busted tank and a bazillion pieces. I just need a broom and something to sweep it into. I can fix this. So I sweep it all up. And I put it away. And I say, all I really need is Home Depot again. And I go to Home Depot to buy a tank for my toilet. You can't buy a tank. (laughs) You have to buy the whole thing. Well... I don't, we're right back to the starting point. I don't need a plumber for this. I buy my new toilet. I go back. I set the toilet down. I'm tightening up the bolts on the outside. And I pull the bolt right out the hole in the floor. Okay, about this time I said, all right, I give up. I need a plumber. Sometimes that's what we do. Only we do it with our lives. We think, I can fix this. I'm going to make this better. And all of our attempts to make ourselves better just lead to greater and greater levels of frustration. We sang a song today that says, I'm free. That freedom is only found in Jesus Christ. If I start lumping upon myself all these other things, I'm, next thing I know, I'm, in, I'm bound up to my own rules and regulations and I'm not experiencing freedom in Christ. Because Christ truly fixes everything. All of it. We want to rely upon Him and not our own rules. But Peter got caught up in it. Peter got caught up in his rules. Peter got caught up in this stuff. And so what did it say in verse 11? Paul says, I withstood him to his face. What are we supposed to do if you have a problem with a brother? Go talk to all your friends about it. Build up for you a big group of people that all agree with you. Put him on the prayer chain saying, this brother really needs prayer. No, man, we're supposed to go to our brother. That's what Paul does, right? Peter was wrong. I withstood him to his face. I talked to him eyeball to eyeball. We we dealt with the problem. We focused on the problem. We said, hey, Peter, there's a problem we need to deal with. And here's here's what he said to Peter. Verse 14, he says, When I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel... I said to Peter before them all. Now listen, where did Peter do it? Was it in a public place? He's in a public place. They're all eating together, right? So where does the rebuke take place? In a public place. You do it in the open, we deal with it in the open. Especially when it's guys like Peter and Paul, right? That's, that's big wigs. So Paul talks in front, of, uh, in front of them all and says, If you, being a Jew... Live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews. Why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not the sinners of the Gentiles. You see, he's saying you're, you're, you're being a hypocrite. You're acting like it's okay that there's not any rules. But right now, that little fly that you thought you killed, he's back up. And your pride has caused you to eat with them and say these folks aren't good enough. Are not... That pride is an ugly thing, isn't it? you got to swap pride good. Because pride will come creeping up and you think it sounds spiritual and holy. 
But it's not either. It's just pride. And it's causing grief. So, hey, Paul's going to deal with it. He says, listen, you've broken up the unity of the church. You divided us from into Jews and Gentiles. Is the church divided? Is the body of Christ divided? The body of Christ is one body. One body. Jews and Gentiles. We are the church. We leave behind race, color, creed, everything else. When we're in the church, we're the church. Brother, sister. One family, united in Christ. But here, Peter was, was breaking the unity, dividing the unity within the church. And then he says in verse 16, Look, knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. There are three books in the New Testament focus on this concept. Uh, originally, this concept is brought up by Job. Job, in Job chapter 9, verse 2, Job says, How can a man be just before God? He asks the question. Later on, Habakkuk the prophet answers the question. He said, The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. How shall a man be just before God? The just shall live by faith. And these three books in the New Testament focus on that phrase. Focuses on that phrase. Three books. Romans, Galatians, Hebrews. All focus on the concept of grace. How it works in a believer's life. And those three books, if you look at their, the topics, the things that they break out, Romans lays out for us the just. Galatians lays out shall live. And Hebrews by faith. All of them deal with that same scripture. The just shall live by faith. But their emphasis, the just. Their emphasis shall live. Their emphasis by faith. Each one focusing in on that picture. That we have to understand we are justified by God. Doesn't have anything to do with us. So we need to understand justification. And, and I'm going to give you one of the few times you're going to hear a theological definition of justification. You ready? Here's what justification is. The act of God whereby He declares a believing sinner righteous in Jesus Christ. The reason that that definition is, a, is important is because that's a definition that Scripture gives us. Let's take a look at that definition. Justification, being made just as if I'd never done it, being made righteous, being declared righteous. Let's take a look. So the first thing we see, one, justification is an act. It is an act. This act is not a process. No Christian is more justified than another. It occurs one time and it lasts for all time. Romans 5.1. Romans 5.1 lays out for us, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. That word justified means in the Greek, once and for all. To be justified once and for all, we have peace with God. We are justified how? How did Romans tell us? Therefore, having been justified by faith. By faith. It is grace. It is the trust that we put in Christ Jesus 
that makes us righteous. It's that trust that we have for him. So first we see justification is an act. Who is it an act of? Is it an act of us? The definition says it is an act of God. The Bible tells in Romans chapter 8 verse 33, it is God who justifies. God does the work. Why does God do the work? Because if we could do it ourselves, why did Jesus have to go to the cross? Why would Jesus have to die? If by some act on my own I can be made righteous, then why did Jesus die? When Jesus stood in the garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, and he looked up to God and he said, If there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. Why didn't God say, there's another way? Well, man just has to be baptized. He has to go to catechism. He has to take classes. He has to tithe. He has to fill out these lists of do's and don'ts and he'll be okay. But God didn't say that and Jesus responded by saying, nevertheless, not my will, thy will be done. Putting his hands, or putting his life in the Father's hands. So what is it that God did? It's an act of God. God, listen, this is mind-blowing. You grasp this, you gain so much. God put your sin on His Son. And God put His righteousness on you. That's what God did. 2 Corinthians 5.21 When He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. The act was an act of God. God treated His Son as He should have treated us so that He could treat us like His Son. We become adopted, heirs and joint heirs. We become part of the family by the work of adoption. We're going to see as we continue through the Scripture. Whose act was it? Was it something that I did? No. God did it. It is the act of God declaring that's the next point that we need to look at. It's the act of God whereby He declares. God declares us righteous. He does not make us righteous. Do you understand the difference? I am not righteous. I'm still a sinner saved by grace. I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm still a sinner saved by grace. I have been declared righteous by God. I've been given something I don't deserve. That's why it's grace. I have been declared righteous by God, an act that God did, putting my sin on His Son, His Son's righteousness on me. He declares me not guilty. Everything about my life says guilty. Everything about your life says guilty. But when we stand in court and we stand before the righteous judge of all eternity and God says not guilty, it's finished. You don't come to court again. You've been declared not guilty. You've been declared not guilty. But listen, it is the act of God whereby he declares the believing 
The believing. That's when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That is, if you want to say anything, the work I have to do. The work is to believe, to trust, to put my faith in Him, to say it's not something I can do. It's not something I can do to make me righteous. It's not something I can do to make me better. I have to have the courage to say, I will not live by the law and think the law is going to save me. I will live by faith in Jesus Christ. The just will live by faith. The believing. He declares the believing. Those who have entrusted themselves into the hands of God. And is not trusting themselves into the hands of works. Whereby I can make myself righteous. Well, we know the scripture declares there is none righteous, no, not one. So we know that that's not going to end well for us. So, it is the act of God whereby he declares believing, next important word, sinners. Yeah, sinners. Not holy, righteous, good people. That's why that is such a damning phrase to say. Oh, they're such a good person. Really? Because the Bible says there are none that are good. There is none that are righteous. We all stand guilty before a holy and just God. So in order to be receiving justification, being made just as if I'd never done it, the righteousness of Christ upon me, I have to say, I am a sinner. What did Paul say? I am the chief of sinners. What did Peter say? I am the greatest of sinners. What did did James say? Every man of God on the face of earth, on the planet, throughout scriptures, declared themselves to be a sinner saved by grace. I'm not good. I try to do right, but I'm not good. I'm a sinner who put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ and God did the act of justification by putting my sin upon his son and his son's righteousness upon me. That's what justification is. And how does it come? By faith. By faith. We believe. We entrust ourselves into the hands of God. Because listen guys, God justifies the ungodly not the righteous. When Jesus was asked who he came to, who did he come for? The lost, the sick, the dying. You remember when Jesus went to Bethsaida and he stood before that man who was laying there waiting to jump into the pool and be healed? You remember what Jesus said to him? He asked him something weird. He said, do you want to be made well? The world's full of people that would not answer that if they were honest would say, no, I'm going to make myself well. I got this one. I got it handled. I can be right. I can be righteous. I can do enough good works. But you can't do enough good works. Because you can't do anything good. We can't even tell what is good. Well, we, we think things are good. Yeah, our, our nation thought it was good to elect our president. How's that working out for everybody? All those banks thought it was good to make a bunch of junk loans. How's that working out? 
It's working out great for me. I have a house that I paid twice as much for. It's worth half as much as that. I'm excited. You know those are hard to sell? Let me it work like this. Hey, I got a deal for you. Come out. I'm going to sell you my truck. My truck is worth $2,000. I'm only going to sell it to you for four. Not going to work out, is it? We think we know what's right. We think we know what's good, but we have no understanding of it. Who understands good? Who understands right? God. God. We have to put our faith and trust in He who justifies the ungodly. And that's what God does. So when we look back here at verse 16, knowing, not hoping, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. By works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ. We got to be found in Christ. And you know the beauty about being found in Christ? You don't really look like you anymore. For example, this morning, I got up and I had a cup of coffee and an apple pie for breakfast. There's no better thing for breakfast than a piece of apple pie. That apple pie looked incredible. The crust was golden and flaky. Had, had little dusting of sugar and cinnamon on top. Mmm, man. So I ate it. That apple pie is in me. How's it look now? Does it still look like an apple pie? Hmm. So think about it. We are in Christ. We don't look like us anymore. We are in Him. In Christ Jesus. It's no longer me. It's Christ who lives in me. So here he's saying, listen guys, we're justified, not by works of the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus. Even we who believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ. We're found in Christ Jesus. A phrase Paul uses 169 times in his 13 epistles. That we are to be found in Christ Jesus. And if we're in Christ Jesus, we don't look like us anymore. We are a new creation created in Christ Jesus to do the things God has called us to do. So this is Paul's point. It's not about who you eat with, what you eat, where you hang out. It's about who is your trust in. Listen, guys, if I think that it's going to be about what I do, then where's my trust? Who am I trusting in? Me. Bad idea. God's a whole lot more faithful. If I think it's about me, it's what I'm going to do is going to make me right. What I'm going to do is going to make me holy. Then I don't have my trust in Christ. I have my trust in me. I have my trust in the do's and don'ts list. I have my trust in works of the law. And by works of the law, no man will be justified. Only by faith in Christ. That's why it's such an important idea. That's why we think it's just a little pesky fly. But really, that fly is going to kill you. It's going to rob you of everything because you're allowing your pride to stand up and say, I don't need Jesus. I'm putting my trust in me. 
So I'm, I'm saved because I was baptized. Well, really? I'm saved because of this, or I'm saved because of that. You are saved by grace. It's an act of God, whereby He declares the believing sinner righteous. The only way. No other way. Nothing else can stand in the way. We are saved by faith alone. So listen, he goes on and says, For by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. So just in case we don't understand that, in the little lesson of the Greek, for by the works of the law, no flesh means no flesh. Last I checked, all of us had some of that. Yes, I know. Some of us have more than others, but that doesn't mean anything. We all have flesh, and no flesh will be justified. None. By works, by what we do. We're justified by who we put our trust in. If you put your trust in works, you're putting your trust in yourself. If you put your trust in Christ, then you are saved by grace through faith. And He has declared you righteous. Well, listen, He goes on. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. I love Paul. You know why I love Paul? Because he says things like this that make me go, what? What did he just say? Even Peter, after he gets rebuked, he writes in 1st, 2nd Peter, uh, as he's laying it out, he says, man, Paul is right on dude. But he says some things that are hard to understand. Rattle my little, I have to sit down and read it again, read it again, read it again. I'm not going to read it that many times for you guys. I'm just going to tell you. Here's what Paul's saying. Peter, you and I, we did not find salvation through the law. We found it through faith in Christ. And now, after being saved, you go back to the law. This means that Christ alone did not save you. Otherwise, you would not need the law. So Christ made you a sinner? Because what happened in the law? They go back to the law and and sacrificing animals again. Why is he sacrificing animals again? Because I'm still a sinner. No, you're not. If you've been justified by faith... God sees you perfect. Do you understand the freedom of that? Do you understand the freedom of saying, Man, I come to the Lord and I confess my sins, and and, and that's what the Scripture tells me to do, but God's not up there keeping track. He looks down at me and sees, Ah, I see my son all over you. I see my son all over you. Man, that's, it's freeing to realize it's not about what I did or, or how I behaved. It's freeing to realize that, that that didn't have anything to do with it. I put my faith in him. He forgave me. He cleansed me. He justified me. And it's done, settled forever. I like that word. Forever. Did Christ make you a sinner? No. What did he make us? Clean. For your sins were as scarlet, but now they are white as snow, made right before God, once and for all. Jesus didn't die on a cross, and that was a good start. He didn't say from the cross, it is started. He said, it is finished. It's done. It's complete. The work has been accomplished. So here, uh, Peter, or Paul is saying to Peter, listen, if you go back to the law, then, 
Therefore, is Christ, Christ's work wasn't enough. You're still in your sin. Now, we may still sin, but we are not in sin. Who are we in? In Christ. Not in sin. I'm in Christ. Do I sin? Yes. And when I sin, what does the Bible say? Confess your sins, and He who is faithful and just will forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God makes you clean by the blood of Jesus Christ because it is finished. You're not in sin. You are in Christ. We who have died to sin, how can we live in it any longer? We're in Christ. We're set free from the bondage of sin. We're set free from the bondage of drugs and alcohol and, and any of those other things. We're set free from the grip and the power of sin. We don't have to stay there anymore. That does not define me. I am defined by Jesus Christ. That's why we say the word Christian. That's why we say a follower of Christ, a disciple of the Lord. I follow Him. That is my definition. My definition is not, I'm an alcoholic. My definition is, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with alcohol. I ain't an, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm set free. I'm in Christ. I'm a new creation. That doesn't define me. It doesn't define you. It doesn't define us. Christ defines us. We're justified by faith, set free from works of the law. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. See, that's what I'm talking about. I swatted the fly of works. I think I killed it and I go about, but that thing cuts sneaking back up. And then it, it, real subtly, I start to think, well, it's better if I wear a tie and a suit and, and, and I got to make sure my hair is only a certain length. And, I, and, I, and, I, and no facial hair. And, and that's what holy looks like. What? That's what we do. Oh, yeah, I mean, it may not be the suit and the tie. It may be, you know, it could be tie-dye and flip-flops. If I wear tie-dye and flip-flops, I'm more holy. No, it has nothing to do with it. It's clothes, for crying out loud. It's food, for crying out loud. It doesn't matter. What matters is, who have you placed your trust in? Is it in you, or is it in Christ? If it's in Christ, then the work is finished, and there's nothing you can add to it. You can add nothing to the work. And when we really come to grasp the beauty of grace, the response in our life is this outpouring of love for God, for what God has done. And from that comes... The fruit of works. But the work of salvation is finished. Done. Nothing can be added to it. For I, through the law, died to the law, that I might live to God. For I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. <clears throat> what can the law do to a dead man? Not much, right? Law can't do nothing to a dead man. He's dead. 
That's all it can do. Listen, you've been crucified with Christ. You died with Him on the cross. Your sin was destroyed. The burden, the bondage, the power of that sin was destroyed in that place. And now I live by faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I am risen with Him a new creation. Now I live by faith. I live by faith. How do I live by faith? I trust God. I trust God that even though I'm a failure, even though I'm a sinner, even though I still struggle here on earth, God has declared me, not made me, God has declared me righteous. You mean even though I'm a big old mess up and I did this and I done that and this happened to me and that happened to me? Absolutely. There is no chasm for which God's grace cannot reach across and touch you. So how do I live? By faith. By faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I put all my faith and trust in Him. He did the work. It's no longer I who live. It's no longer about me. I'm no longer the main central focus of my life. The main central focus of my life is Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for me when I was a sinner, before I asked for help, when there was nothing redeeming about me? God died for me so that I could be right with him. And it all happens by faith, by trust. You mean I could be a believer and have long hair? Absolutely. You mean I could be a believer and have no hair? Yes, Prince, you can. I can be, <laughs> I can be a believer and I can have a, a beard? Sure you can. Well, what if I want to be a believer without a beard? Right on, brother. Welcome to the family. It doesn't matter. All that matters is where have you placed your trust? But Jackie, I messed up just the other day. Yeah, me too. I'm still a sinner. I'm looking forward to the day when this corruptible body, this sinful body is gone and I put on a new body in Christ Jesus and I never battle with sin again. But from here to there, I'm trusting Him because I can't do it on my own. I can't do it by works. I died with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live, I live by faith in the one who gave himself for me. The just shall what? Live. How? By faith. By works? No. By faith. We trust the finished work of Christ. That's important to understand. Because that little works thing could come sneaking up on you. As soon as you start looking at someone else and thinking, how could God save them? Guess where you are. You need to swat that fly again. Make sure. Mash them good so he don't get back up. I knock them down sometimes and their wings are pointing two different directions. And they still get back up. <laughs> Listen to this last verse. For I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. If righteousness can come any other way if it's faith in god plus anything it's not grace 
You see, the Jewish people had to learn something. It was a little bit of a struggle for them. They had to learn to put their trust in Jesus Christ instead of the law. You and I, we make the same mistakes. Same mistake Peter did. See, God, when He looks at people, He don't see rich, poor, clean, dirty, valuable or unvaluable. He sees people that He wants to be His kids. That He wants to adopt. And God wants to adopt all who will come. Whosoever will. He wants to bring us into His family. And He don't want us to see each other that way neither. He don't want us to look at someone and think, well, that that person doesn't have value. Or he doesn't, or she doesn't, or they don't look like me. They must not be as holy as I am, because if they were, they wouldn't do that. Remember, justification is an act of God by which He declares believing sinners righteous. God does it. Our faith and our trust must be in Him. Don't set aside grace. Don't set it aside. Don't lay it over and pick up something else. No matter how good it sounds, the Bible teaches nothing else saves. There is only one name under heaven by which man must be saved. Jesus Christ. It's the only name. A lot of people out there, they're they're doing their best to work their way to heaven. But the Bible says, no flesh will be justified apart from faith in who? Jesus Christ. Finished. It is done. It is accomplished. As we place our Faith and trust in that place is so vital, so vital that we get that grip on grace. Because when we get grace, so does everybody around us. You know what I mean? When we realize what God has done for us, man, it's so easy to to have love and caring and forgiveness and grace in other people. I love that old song that said, he's not heavy. He's my brother. The only place that's really true is in the body of Christ. Only place is really true. We all, not one of us, can touch the stars. But praise God, he touches us by the power of his grace. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we do thank you for this time we can come before you, Father. And we thank you for the truth of of what it means to be justified by faith and to live by faith, Father. As we continue through the book of Galatians, Lord, you're going to give us the, the guidance, the direction, the outline of how to live by faith. What's that look like? How do we practice that? Before we can live by faith, God, we got to understand being justified we got to understand the grace of God. 
There's nothing I can add. It is finished. There's nothing I can do to make it better. It is accomplished. There's nothing I can add to what God has done. I must put my faith and trust in Him and not in me. Not in what I do. Not in what I've done. Just faith alone. Father God, as we come before You, Lord, we look for that move of Your Spirit upon this body, Lord God, as we desire Your Spirit to move. Father, if there's anybody here that their faith and trust has been in themselves, let them put their faith and trust in You and feel the freedom of being made right in the eyes of God and never having to do a thing. Feel the overwhelming sense of love build up within their heart that I want to respond to the one who gave so much for me and feel the fruit of of works pouring from the root of faith. Father God, I pray, Lord, if there be anybody here, they don't know you, They've been in religion. They've gone to church. They do the the do's and the don'ts, live a good life. But, But their trust must be in you. They must place their trust in you. And when they do, it is done, finished, forever, once and for all. I don't have to worry about what if I what if I lose my salvation? I can't lose. What I didn't earn is a gift. And God doesn't take it back. If my salvation didn't depend on me, keeping my salvation doesn't depend on me. For I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded. He is able to keep me unto that day. I thank you, God, that you said, all of the sheep that you've given me, I have not lost one. You won't lose us. And our faith will never be disappointed. For I consider this present suffering not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us when we stand face to face with our risen Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for what you do. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. We just pray, God, that the understanding of your grace, Father, by your Spirit, Lord, I know we use human words and they get in the way, but your Spirit, God, I just pray your Spirit would move over your people. That your Word would accomplish that to which it was sent. And lives would be changed. People would be set free. Lord, we lay this morning before you and just ask your blessing upon it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to close in worship. We invite you to stay and worship with us. Also, you'll see around the sanctuary signs. Go ahead and ask the prayer counselors to
to spread themselves out around the room. If the Lord spoke to your heart and you want to come pray with someone, these prayer counselors are around the room able to do that with you, to pray with you, and, uh, and to help you in that. God bless you guys, and go in peace. Paul writing to the Ephesians said, For it is by grace, through faith, that we are saved. Not of works, lest we would boast. How precious is the grace of our God. Amen. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord Grace that exceeds our sin and guilt Yonder on Calvary, Mount Outford There where the blood of the Lamb was spilled Grace, grace, God's grace Grace that will pardon and cleanse within Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace, freely bestowed on all who believe. You who are longing to see His face. Will you this moment His grace to receive? Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our Pardon and cleanse within Grace, grace God's grace Grace that is greater than all our sin Grace, grace God's grace Grace that will pardon and cleanse within Grace, grace That is greater than all our sin. Grace that is greater than all our sin. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, glorious is your grace. Lord, uh, we're lost without that, Lord. We're lost without that cleansing flow of your grace, Lord God.
Lord, that you took our sins upon yourself. Lord, that we would be found in you. And we'd be found in your righteousness, Lord God. Lord, help us to extend that grace to others, Lord. Lord, for the amount that we forgive others, Lord, we will be forgiven. Lord, uh, help us to be graceful, Lord, and loving. Lord, may we shine like a light on a hill. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, go with us as we fellowship, Lord. Lord, we pray over the food, Lord, uh, that you have prepared for us. Lord, we give you thanks. Lord, and just bless our fellowship, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.